Hello and welcome to our Maritime Impact podcast series. I'm your host, Eric Nyhus, Director Environment for Maritime at DNV. This episode is an in-depth follow-up to our previous one, where I focused on the highlights of the IMO greenhouse gas strategy, which was adopted at MEPC 80 in July. Today, I will dig a bit deeper into the greenhouse gas-related issues. For those of you who have listened to the highlights episode, there will be a bit of repetition this time around to set the scene, but we'll soon get into the details. We hope you enjoy the episode, and now on to the show. MEPC 80 met during the first week of July and had an extensive agenda. Still, the focus of the meeting and the media was yet again greenhouse gas emissions, or more specifically the revision of the original strategy adopted five years ago, along with reaching agreement on new regulations to implement it. The negotiations were challenging, with a lot of red lines being stretched to the breaking point, but on Friday, July 7th, the IMO agreed a revised strategy. I ran through its key features in the previous episode, so I would suggest that you give it a listen in case you haven't caught all the details. But as a very quick recap, we now have a decarbonization target for 2050, we have ambitious intermediate reduction targets for 2030 and 2040, and we have a clean energy usage target, in practical terms primarily a fuel share target, for 2030 as well. All of these targets are on a well-to-wake basis rather than the tank-to-wake figures we have become accustomed to looking at in the context of the original strategy, so fuel production is obviously coming under much greater scrutiny. So what are the new regulations that accompany the IMO strategy? Well, let's find out. It's important to recognize that while the revised strategy is a massive achievement by the IMO member states, it's still only a strategy. The proof of the pudding comes when the strategy gets translated into implemented and enforceable regulations that are aligned with the strategic ambitions. Unfortunately, there was progress on the regulations as well. There was agreement in principle both on the regulations that are to be developed and on their timeline. The IMO agreed on the so-called technical measure, a greenhouse gas intensity fuel standard, that will regulate the phased reduction of well-to-wake greenhouse gas intensity of the fuel used by shipping. There are concrete proposals on the table, provided separately by the EU and China, that are very likely to form the basis for the final shape of the regulation. There are differences between the proposals, where for instance China embeds a potential economic instrument in their proposal, while the EU says their proposal does not do so. But in reality, these differences are not fundamental barriers to reconciliation. On the economic side, there was agreement on the need for an economic element on the basis of a maritime greenhouse gas emission pricing mechanism. However, that's as far as agreement goes. At the last MEPC meeting, there was massive resistance to a cap-and-trade system. This meeting saw very robust resistance to a levy mechanism. Most likely, this leaves a door open for some kind of pricing mechanism linked to the greenhouse gas intensity standard, but it's premature to speculate on what the final outcome will actually be. What can be said is that it is technically possible to create an economic mechanism where ships unable to attain compliance with the intensity requirements through conventional means could buy what you can call compliance units from the IMO at a defined price. This money could then be allocated to R&D to ensure a just and equitable transition for developing nations or to other purposes. Whether something like this becomes an outcome or not is too early to say, but it is clear that negotiating the economic element will be pretty challenging. 
The IMO did agree a timeline for the new regulations, adoption in 2025 with entry into force in 2027. Back calculating, this tells us that the IMO really needs to hammer out an agreed base document for developing these regulations at MEPC 81 latest in April 2024. Time is tight, to put it mildly. As I promised in the previous episode, there are a number of other greenhouse gas-related issues and decisions to discuss. So let's dive into those now. Among the more significant decisions, we have the adoption of the Guidelines on Lifecycle Greenhouse Gas Intensity of Marine Fuels, also known as the LCA Guidelines, which sets out methods for calculating well-to-wake and tank-to-wake greenhouse gas emissions for all fuels and other energy carriers used on board a ship. The guidelines also specify sustainability aspects for marine fuels that are to be documented through a so-called fuel lifecycle label. This specifies information relevant for the lifecycle assessment of any given fuel. It gives, amongst other things, the well-to-wake emission factor for the fuels and will obviously be important when operators decide on what to buy. Preliminary default emission factors for some fuels are already provided in the guidelines and more will be added through the ongoing work. Importantly, this is at present only a technical guideline, with no links established yet to any regulations. So the discussions on how to apply the guidelines is yet to come. We do of course expect it to be central to the coming fuel greenhouse gas intensity regulation and potentially to the CII. Despite adoption, the guidelines are not complete and will continue to develop. Default emission factors, sustainability criteria, fuel certification and handling of onboard carbon capture are all aspects needing further work. And speaking of onboard carbon capture or CCS, MEPC 80 decided to postpone further discussions on this matter to the next intersessional meeting of the Working Group on Greenhouse Gas Reductions. There are numerous aspects to CCS that need to be worked out, and chief amongst these is of course ensuring that captured CO2 is actually stored safely in the ground and not simply vented after delivery to shore. MEPC may work further on this at the next intersessional meeting, the week before MPC 81 in April 2024, and the work will be linked explicitly to the further carbon capture and storage work in the LCA guidelines. What this means in practical terms is that getting CCS into the regulatory framework will take a while longer. So it's uncertain whether CCS can scale fast enough to play a significant role in attaining the 2030 goals of the greenhouse gas strategy. Post-2030, however, we may see an increasing use and impact. When looking at existing regulations, and in particular the Carbon Intensity Indicator Regulation, the CII, MEPC managed to put together a work plan for the review that is to be concluded in 2025. What it means in practice is that experience and data will be collected up to MEPC 82 in autumn 2024 before analyzing the data and finalizing any amendments at MEPC 83 in summer 2025. This includes agreeing CII reduction requirements from 2026 to 2030, considering potential correction factors and or additional metrics, as well as a revised enforcement mechanism and potential application of the LCA guidelines. The implication is that there will be no immediate changes to the CII framework, and despite hopes from parts of industry, there will be no new correction factors or voyage adjustments before the review is completed by the end of 2025. The IMO also agreed to revise the data collection system, greater granularity of data reporting, 
as well as the addition of cargo data are now in place. But with the pace of Marple changes being what they are, this will only become effective in a couple of years' time, meaning that it will take a while before higher quality data becomes available and has an effect on the decision-making at MEPC. The final MEPC-80 decision I want to shed some light on pertains to biofuel. Presently, Marple regulations do not recognize the CO2 emission reductions that sustainable biofuels give, so you get no benefit for DCS reporting or CII compliance. This is intended to be addressed through the LCA guidelines, but in the meanwhile, we have seen that flags handle this in different ways. Some accept it, some don't. So as a temporary fix, IMO agreed a circular laying down a common method for handling biofuels. It's not carte blanche, as there are requirements to satisfying sustainability criteria, greenhouse gas savings need to be above a 65% threshold, and there are requirements to certification. Also, the approach should be considered temporary until the regulations can apply the methods in the LCA guidelines. So what kind of implications are we looking at here? Most importantly, and with respect to greenhouse gas emissions, shipping has now received very clear marching orders. The course is set, the speed is set, and a clear signal has been sent as to what is expected from us as a sector. A very clear demand signal has also been sent to the fuel supplier industry. There is now a much greater certainty when it comes to future demand for green fuels. This should catalyze increasing investments and capacity upscaling in that business. We know that additional regulations are in the pipeline, and we know when we can expect to see them. And while we don't yet know all the details, we know what they are expected to achieve at a strategic level. This will increasingly impact on new build design, retrofit choices, technology choices, operations and logistic changes, costs, and not least the volume and granularity of reporting. In short, over time shipping is facing a significant upheaval. I would also like to highlight that the decisions made, and those that are still in the pipeline, all serve to strengthen the message that operators need to improve their knowledge and understanding of their own emission data. Whether it is soon to be incoming EU regulations or the regulatory consequences of the IMO greenhouse gas strategy, knowing and understanding your own emissions data will not only matter for legal compliance, it will also be business critical. So with that, I'll wrap up this episode. The key message I hope to have gotten across is that the IMO, with the new greenhouse gas strategy, has made a momentous decision and one that will have significant implications for the maritime industry. We have the goals. We know additional regulations are incoming, and we have the timelines. There will always be the caveats and uncertainties, but the mandate for shipping greenhouse gas regulations is now clear. One final thing that should be of interest is that on 7th September, DNV will launch a new maritime forecast to 2050. This year's report comes with a detailed analysis and insights on what we just touched on here. It assesses in detail the impact of the new regulations, calculates future fuel demands, looks at energy efficiency measures that support the 2030 targets, and provides an in-depth case study for technologies that can help reduce the total future fuel demand for shipping. So make sure you download your copy on dnv.com maritime once published on 7 September. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Maritime Impact Podcast with me, Eric Nyhus. Over the past two episodes, we have covered a lot of ground pertaining to the outcomes of MPC 80. It was a packed meeting, and the ramifications will be significant and long-lasting. 
But as we discussed, work will not stop there, and Maritime Impact will be with you each step of the way to keep you up to date. So that's it for Series 5, but if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to give us a rating or a review. Thank you for listening.